did you talk to John? I tried not to, but he uh, insisted he, with his annoying <laughs> friendliness, <laughs> with his uh, really insufferable habit of being just a genuine delight to be around. I began recording. Yes, I know he is annoying. <laughs> I don't like him because he's so nice. <laughs> but no, Jonathan is just a a very kind, warm, wonderful person who anyone should be so lucky as to get to meet a true cherubic human or a humanoid cherub i don't know which yes cherubics of fire <laughs> they get all the bad ones out of the way right now <laughs> yep welcome Make to room for the other bad ones the paranormal <laughs> podcast with us talking about the science that is around us so very frightening uh, and strange <laughs> Um, yeah, we look at spooky things, we look at strange, uh, unexplained things, and try to, uh, wrap our minds around it using the science that we know. Indeed. And, uh, I... I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. I'm more sure Um, of that than you seem to be about you. Yeah, I'm... Wyatt? (laughs) I was just realizing that I yet again have kind of a... Well, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I was just noticing that part of my room looked like it was on fire. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, it's fine now. It went that, out. That's good. I looked away from it. There you go. Just like the American system of politics at the moment. What? <laughs> I feel like that was meant to be commentary of some kind. Mm. I'm coming in hot today. <laughs> um, well, your room being on fire, it makes sense. Do we have yes. any? Do you have any updates to share before we get going? Uh, no, cool. I'm just neither. happy to be here. Uh, today's topic, if I'm not mistaken, is cursed and/or evil items. That's right. Or artifacts, or otherwise stuff. That's right. Very good. Do you remember who goes first? I think you do. I do. You're right. Yes. <laughs> get some scoops next. I just basically, if you could see beyond the camera of your Skype chat right now. You would see all around my room. I have painted on the walls. Uh, Jake goes first in very large letters. <laughs> but it's going to be like annoying next person. week when you have to paint over all that and start I'll just again. be wrong. <laughs> yeah. If, I guess if you leave it up, you'll be right half the time. So That or I could just squeeze in a dozen uh, between. <laughs> yeah, just put up like a sticky note dozen and then take that back down again the other weeks. But And I guess that would make the sentence read, Jake doesn't goes first. <laughs> Perfect. Well, today I does uh, goes first, and what I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> is a thing that I actually have been sitting on for quite a while. Uh, I found it sometime the past oh, year or so. On a cursed object this whole time. Yeah, it's not comfortable at all. I saw this in an article or something somewhere, I think, um, and thought it was really neat. It inevitably led me back, as it always somehow does, to Reddit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's something that I just have been looking for an opportunity to uh, cram into an episode, and then this time I was like. Hey, let's do haunted objects. <laughs> that works. I found a, a ripe one, so I'm happy. Excellent. Um, and yes, I guess Reddit is the Rome of the digital era. Mm-hmm. As in all roads lead to Reddit. Have I frozen? <laughs> no, I, I was just letting you... You were listening. <laughs> Jake put on a face of rapt attention and it freaked me out of my own bit. <laughs> Um, I do believe also part of my prompt to you was, uh, let's do haunted objects. Mine is from the Catskills, so don't do anything yes. from the Catskills. Yep. We should, we should be good. Yeah. So I give you the January 6th, 2016 post. 
Mm. Me and a friend found this creepy statue while hiking, and now strange things are going on. Anyone know what this is? <laughs> so the title tells you a bit about what's going to happen here. Yes. They got about halfway into the first act already. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would give the username, but it's a deliberate, uh, deliberate throwaway account, so the name means nothing. Um, but the poster said, uh, last weekend, my friend and I were hiking in the Catskills near Sundown Forest and found this really creepy statue while fucking around in some caves. It has nails in its eyes and a noose around its neck. It looks okay. like it might be old. I don't think it's been there very long, but it's weird because this cave was way off the trail. Someone had a fire in there not too long ago. So for uh, reference on what we're talking about here, let's let's just look at the... He posted some pictures onto Imgur... And uh, sure. I wanted to share those with you. Hmm. Describe what you see. So there's a little little statue and some rocks. Kind of hard to see. Oh, here we go. Ugh. Well, we've got a uh, yeah, a little sort of a dull brown statue with a little noose around its neck. It is a humanoid shape with a visible head and sort of suggestion of facial features with little nails hammered into the eyes, which is upsetting looking. Mm-hmm. Almost has monkish robes. If I were to say what they've carved it to look as though it were wearing. Yeah, and it looks like looks it's made to be of... a male. Looks to be made out of wood or maybe iron if it were cast. I would if I'm just finding this upon using my, only my eyeballs. Yeah, I, I would I think it is wood. Probably I think wood. Yeah. yeah. So that's what the statue looks like. Well, of course, as always, post links to all this shit for you cool cats in the uh in the listening audience there. Um <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to the statue really waked me up, but my buddy decided to take it home with him, even though I told him not to. Everyone says that there's devil worshippers that come out here to sacrifice animals and do their spells and shit, so I didn't want anything to do with this thing. A couple days later, my friend calls me and tells me that he thinks the statue is haunted because it keeps moving from its spot and it keeps smelling weird stuff. Mm. Says he can't sleep at night because banging keeps waking him up. Now, last night, someone knocked on his door, but no one was there when he opened it, and he's um, super weirded out. He thinks he mm. has a ghost because of the statue. It must just be a coincidence, but I think he's actually scared. Before we go set this thing on fire, I wanted to see if anyone knows what it is. <laughs> I, I've never seen something like this or heard of a statue causing ghosts. Uh, throwaway account because I didn't want to use my main account for spoopy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so let people chime in in the comments before they set fire to it, which, I mean, <laughs> if, if, as far as uh, reactions to seemingly cursed or haunted objects go, doesn't mess around like okay we first of all saying oh we shouldn't bring this back with us and then the friend does and i'm saying okay well now that weird stuff's happening we should just burn this i mean you know why not i'm happy that they're at least saying they're going to burn it yeah they're at least um avoiding some of the major horror movie tropes of just dumb yes, things yes, you could do exactly exactly um so people try to with different stuff and then um he added an edit at the bottom he said my friend showed up here at like 11 30 he's out of his mind scared never seen him like this before I'm going to do my best to remember everything you just told me because it was a lot. But long mm-hmm. story short, he's sleeping over because something is in his house. Uh, we found the statue on Sunday, and like I said, I told him not to take it because it gave me bad vibes, but he took it anyway. He's been an atheist as long as I've known him, so when he told me that something was going on, I thought he was just fucking with me because I I know I like to watch paranormal shows. He always made fun of me for it. It started out, uh, let's see, it started out just as knocks and banging, but he said that by Wednesday... He started waking up in the middle of the night feeling like someone was watching. This kept happening through the week, and every time he'd wake up, he would smell a really strong scent like pond water. He doesn't believe mm. in uh, any of this stuff, so he just ignored it until a few days ago when the statue moved from his desk into his living room. He says that every night since Thursday, it's moved into a different room than where he left it. 
He thought mm-hmm. it was his dog moving it around because it smells funny, but his dog won't go anywhere near it. He said that he's actually peed in the house three nights in a row, and she's never done that before. Hmm. Um, that she's actually peed. She's actually peed in the house three nights. Yeah. Last night, someone knocked at his door at three in the morning, but when he got it, uh, went to open it, there was no one there. His motion lights were on, and there weren't any cars in his driveway. He said that he opened up the door to look outside, and that's when he knew that uh, he made a big mistake. Like he just hmm. felt that he shouldn't have opened his door. That's why I made this post in the first place. At that point, I didn't have any reason not to believe him because it had gone away beyond uh, it gone way beyond a joke, and he actually sounded really, really fucking scared on the phone. He kept telling me that he was going to burn the statue because he knows that something followed him home. Anyway, he stayed up all night and then decided to go to the movies to take his mind off of it. When he got home, he said it felt like everything was fine, and he decided to finally go to bed. This was where it got super fucked up. He says that when he woke up, which wasn't until like 10, it was because his dog was barking like crazy. He said the pond water smell was stronger than ever, and when he went out into his hallway, he saw all these muddy footprints everywhere. (laughs) Not like shoe prints, but barefoot. All of his doors and windows were locked. After someone knocked on his door, he freaked out and made sure everything was locked up. So there's no fucking way anyone could have gotten inside. Sitting in the living room was the fucking statue, which had moved again, and he says that when he started to go near it, he uh, heard someone breathing, quote, like his grandpa with the tracheotomy. Uh, he Ooh. peaced the fuck out, and now he and his dog are sleeping in my guest room tonight. I've never been, uh, never seen him this scared, and he even started crying. I have no fucking idea what to do. I believe him because he has no reason to... Uh, L-O-I-E-M-T-P. I don't know what that word is meant to be. L-O-I-E-M-T-P? Yeah. I'm not sure what that word was meant to be, but... Loimped about this because... I'm guessing lie to me. Lie to me. me. Thank you. Mentally unscrambled it. That is impressive. (laughs) I wrote this post. Okay. That makes sense. Um, About this because it's way too far to be a joke now. I know that everyone says not to burn it or whatever. So what the fuck do we do? He wants me to go to his house to get the statue tomorrow. But I'm too fucking freaked out to take it back to where we found it because I don't want to go. I want to see whoever put it there. Sorry for the typo. I just wanted to write this out quick so I know that I got it all. He knows there were typos. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just like as he was typing, seeing that there were problems with it. Like I mean, there's a couple like, of there's not nothing I can words. do. I can't go back and edit it now that I've typed it. <laughs> Even though this is the second, this is one of two edits he added to the post. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. So again, freaked out. Things seem really strange. Edit two. Sorry, I haven't posted. Things got worse yesterday night. So we sent the statue to the guy in the comments today. So far, so good. Thanks to everyone who actually tried to help and didn't just call us a couple fucking idiots. Hmm. That brings us to wow. uh, the fact that a guy in the comments offered to take the statue. Yeah, what the hell? So lots of folks commented on how it's perhaps a shitty practice to take something that has clearly been made by somebody else and not put it back where you found it. However, user Newkirk, N-U-E-K-E-R-K, said uh, that quote if you're too nervous to take it back to where you found it which is completely understandable i'd be happy to handle it for you Mm. so this is what that user had to say later on in a different reddit post i'll link to Mm -hmm. hey everyone you guys might remember that about six months ago there was a post in this sub from a hiker who claimed that he and a friend found a strange carving in a new york cave the whole thread is here but long story short they took it home and boom bad haunting poltergeist activity apportation and wet footprints manifesting along with the strong scent of pond water. A full-blown haunting, if he was to be believed. There were lots of great responses in the thread. After getting a few emails from friends who know what I do for a living, I logged in and threw my two cents into the ring. I'm the director of a paranormal and occult museum based out of Cincinnati, 
and he ended up sending the item to me. Half a year later, I can say with a good amount of certainty that the carving, which we've nicknamed the crone, is definitely haunted. Wow. it's <laughs> fun. Been getting a lot of PMs about this for months, so I finally did my best to condense and compile every bit of the information I could about the statue, including... Now for him, PM meaning paranormal message, correct? Yes, exactly. Uh, including every odd photograph, piece of video footage, and personal experience, and put it in a readable piece. So I'd like to the crone of the Catskills on um, hmm. Week and Weird. So, um, yeah, this guy is, in fact, Greg Newkirk, spelled the way you expect it to be spelled, not the mm-hmm. goofy username way. Uh, Greg Newkirk of weekandweird.com, and he got the statue from the guy for the express purpose of adding it to the Newkirk Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult, which is mm. uh, a business he and his wife run. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, why do you even have to ask? They are professional paranormal investigators. Mm-hmm. This doesn't sound at all familiar, does it, White? Certainly doesn't sound like another pair of people who <laughs> may or may not have gone straight to hell. <laughs> a married dying. A married couple of paranormal investigators who could not wait to get their hands on certain Anything haunted scary. Yeah. Uh, I'll post a link insert to Insert themselves in every possible situation. <laughs> that- <laughs> yep. If we're, you know, actually happening, people would be heading for the hills as fast as they possibly could. That's right. Uh, I'll post a link to episode nine, B-E-K-2, The Children and Ning, where we first <laughs> talked about Annabelle, the doll, the original story of that, which was, I believe, mm-hmm. the first recorded time where I um, expressed my opinions on the people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we're continuing the bit because I forget their names for some reason right now. But that's just as well, because you know what? They should be forgotten. They're dead. But not to forgotten. Us. And also dead. So <laughs> let's see. Uh The Warrens. I remembered. <laughs> that's right. Um so anyway, let's see what he had to say in the published article that he got ad money for. <laughs> he said, just a few months prior to the frightening uh the frightening Reddit post, Dana and I had the good fortune to assist the finding Bigfoot team as paranormal experts in their search for supernatural Sasquatch sightings. But I never anticipated that the two-week adventure in the California mountains would result in the acquisition of a new haunted object. At the tail end of the season's Finding Bigfoot filming schedule, one of the production assistants, Chris Carter, was taking a break in the production van, scrolling through Reddit when he stumbled onto the hiker's thread. Having spent a lot of time on the road with Dana and I, Dana and me, uh, hearing tales of our haunted objects during the Supernatural episode shoot, he logged in and commented that the hikers should get in touch with us, passing along our contact information. Later that night, an email arrived in my inbox. Um, so that was how it mm. came to pass that they got in touch and uh, were like, hey, that's the thing. We'll, we'll take care of it. God forbid they just throw it away or burn it like they thought they were going to. Right. Uh, so the only, well, like, yeah, if you, if you run an occult, a paranormal and occult museum and hear about this thing, I was like, oh, well, if you don't want it anymore, we do. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, I can see the draw. Um, yeah. And again, you can then have this thing. It's like, oh, this stuff happened to these people who had it. Now we have it. Look at it. Isn't oh, it creepy? Oh, no, totally comes prepackaged so the email was the hiker whose name was danny and he was requesting my help he pointed me towards his reddit post for a quick backstory and it didn't take me long to suggest that he not only return the statue to the place he'd found it but to apologize to whoever or whatever they'd stolen it from mm-hmm. asked him a few questions about the location they discovered the figure and warned him against burning throwing away or otherwise destroying the object which could have potentially made things even worse for the two mm. i did my correspondence by telling danny that if he was truly frightened we could handle store and study the object safely <laughs> Two days later, I received another email. It says, uh, thanks for the advice. Today, we went back to my friend's house to get the statue and return it. When we got there, I saw the muddy footprints he was talking about, and the whole place smelled like a dog that had just rolled around in the dirt. His dog wouldn't even come in the house. We went, he went to show me was, where the statue was uh, when he left it 
last night, but it was gone. When we found it, it was in the hallway, and there was a big crack in the wall like it had been thrown there. He swears that he never touched the thing when we, uh, and left it in his living room. Uh, we did what you said and explained that we were sorry about taking it and that we wanted to give it back to the cave and asked it what we should do. I don't know if it was the feeling you were talking about, but we both just felt like we should never go back to that cave again. He said he felt like we needed to send it to you. When we were standing in the hallway talking to this thing, his dog started barking like crazy outside, and when we went to see what was going on, we both thought we saw a woman standing in the dark corner of his living room. She was totally naked, really old, and dripping water, and her eyes sort of glowed in the dark. She hmm. was hunched over near his shelves. We both freaked the fuck out and ran outside, and this was in the middle of the day. Uh, whoever it was wasn't there when we got went back in. We grabbed the statue and apologized again, wrapped it in a pillowcase, and put it in a box. Uh, he's just going to send it to you. To answer your questions, I didn't see any jewelry or pictures or anything by the statue, but there were a lot of leaves covering everything. There was some broken uh, glass and a cup near the fire. My friend says he thinks there might have been some hair on it, but he brushed it off without thinking about it. We don't remember any weird symbols or anything in the cave. There was a lot of twigs piled around the foot of the statue, but that's it. Everyone has always talked about how people go into those parts of uh, the woods to worship the devil and do ceremonies and stuff, even when my parents were kids. The woods not far from where we were are even called uh, blank, <laughs> omitted because of it, which I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought he said what it was at the beginning. Send that for us. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> go the, uh, the Lon Strickler route and say, redacted. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I fucking told him to leave the statue there because it was probably from some weird ceremony out there, but he never believed in ghosts or the devil or anything. Mm. Right now, it's sitting in the trunk of his car at his house. Give me your mm. address and we'll mail it to you tomorrow. If I knew it was going to be this bad, I would never have let him take it out of the cave. Thanks for not calling us fucking idiots and telling us how stupid we are like the rest of the thread. This is the whole reason I used the throwaway to begin with. <laughs> so it sounds like Danny's pretty... uh pretty just worn down by the whole experience yeah, second really. time he's brought up the idea of um thanking being, him being for chastised publicly uh-huh. greg goes on to say then um dana matthews my wife and fellow museum curator carried the box into the weird hq office and placed it on my desk we carefully cut the package open to reveal a hard lump wrapped in a stained pillowcase as we slowly peeled back the cloth rusty nails hammered into wooden eyes became visible followed by a noose tightened around the statue's neck Whatever purpose this piece was designed for, or was created for, it wasn't nice. The figure looked menacing, but there were a few things that were a bit confusing about the piece. The most obvious detail was that while the carving itself looked weathered and aged, as did the nails, the rope wrapped around the neck couldn't have been more than a year old. Mm. The carving had obviously been placed in the cave recently with a new edition of the noose, if the entire thing wasn't just a hoax to begin with. Mm-hmm. As we do with all new items that arrive in the museum, we snapped a series of preliminary photos capturing the artifact just as it was when it arrived, jotted down some notes, and took a few measurements. Then we locked the office and left to run errands. When you've been sent countless uh, quote-unquote haunted objects through the years, it's hard to shake the preconceived notion that the creepy porcelain clowns, weird paintings, and African idols will never live up to their alleged reputations. They rarely do. So for us, the arrival of the crone was just another day at the office. Later that evening... While sitting in the living room watching a movie, Dana and I were startled by a commotion in the office. Thinking it was our two cats, I volunteered to break up the fight, only to realize upon walking into the office that the door had been closed the entire time. Nothing seemed out of place, and the cats were nowhere to be found. In fact, our feline familiars were in another room entirely, cowering beneath the bed, afraid to leave. I walked back into the office in an attempt to look for the source of the noises, but everything seemed in order, until I almost hmm. stepped on Jesus. Hmm. Who among us hasn't hmm. uh, been in that exact, exact experience? Uh, lying on the floor was a plastic figurine of Jesus, normally found nailed to a crucifix. 
As I turned him over in my hands, I realized that he was missing an arm. On the complete opposite side oh, of no. the room, swinging silently on a cross um, hung in the corner, was Jesus' missing appendage. Something had not only managed to pull Christ from the crucifix without removing it from the wall, it had thrown the figure across the room. I've still never been able to find the nails from Jesus' hands and feet. Did he take pictures? For starters, here is the picture they took when they first received the crone. Still in his little pillowcase. Uh, still looking kind of creepy. You can see the robe up close. It doesn't look like it's particularly old, even though the rest of it does look a little bit more weathered than that. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. And then uh, here is the Jesus. He was oh, he did about. take the picture. Yeah, so its arm was missing, and it looks like yeah, it was a deal where you can see there's holes in the hands and feet where it was actually attached mm. with nails to the uh, the cross, and one arm is still nailed on there, and one arm is straight up missing. Mm. Sitting directly below the now desecrated cross was the crone. Uh, whether or not the new artifact was to blame, Dana and I wasted no time setting up 24-hour surveillance on the object. We placed a motion-activated trail camera in the corner of the office facing directly in the direction that the desecrated crucifix hung, covering a selection of the most um, active artifacts in our collection. Something was causing anomalous movement. We were going to capture it. For nearly mm. two months, the motion-activated camera sat in the room, but when we checked the SD card each morning, there was no evidence of paranormal activity. Sure, there were occasional bumps in the night, but when you store hundreds of haunted, cursed, and supernaturally influenced objects in your home, you come to expect it. Still, there was nothing to point toward the crone being to blame for any of it. Like, the idea of them saying, like, oh, yeah, stuff happened, but, like, it was probably just some other haunted thing. Like, it was, I don't think this was that this, yeah, right. this was the thing that was haunted. You have so many haunted things. Exactly. Then on March 2nd, between the hours of 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., the camera triggered three times. So let's take a look at what that looks Ooh, like. Yeah, one sec. Let me see here. So here is a little video you posted. I have the sound turned off. Of uh, so it's it's black and white. It's it's um grainy grainy because it's, it's his night closed caption footage. <laughs> close. That's right. <laughs> um, this is um yeah night vision kind of thing going on. So it's hard to see much. But right here, where I'm circling. That's the crone right there. Ah yes. So I'll hit play. So it's zooming in, and then there's the three photos. So it kind of kind of pivots a little bit back and forth. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. There's a bit of a shift. It rotates ever so slightly. Yes. So, uh, interesting. Little, yeah, a little, little odd, a little unexpected. Pretty subtle. So not nothing. Yeah. Uh, There's no crazy drama that you might expect with a proper hoax where some fishing line pulls it up and makes it wobble around or something. It's just, just a flying little, around the room. Yeah, <laughs> a rocket ship. <laughs> So he goes on to say, initial analysis showed a few strange anomalies floating in and out of frame, one of which even appeared to have its own light source, but it wasn't until mm. we watched the frames together that we discovered something really eerie. The crone had moved oh, no. ever so slightly on its own. So the thing we just oh, saw. Yes. Um, he was talking about the just dust flying around. Saying, oh, some of it seems to have its own light source. It's like, no, your camera no. has yes. infrared light that is shining. and It is a light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because your eyeballs don't see it, it's still shining it. Yes. Things only got stranger from there. Several weeks later, with no further anomalous activity captured, Dana called me into the living room to ask me why I'd stood in the furniture after a shower, pointing to the wet footprints that appeared to stand on the back of our couch. Only I'd not taken a shower for hours. Perhaps weeks. Perhaps <laughs> no. weeks. Uh, for hours. For days, the earthly, uh, the earthy scent of pond water lingered in the house, with an intense feeling of dread and paranoia, uh, paranoia following it. There was an undeniable sense that something was with us, just waiting for the right moment to reveal itself. Mm. Um, they did post a picture of the supposed wet footprint on the couch, but it's just 
water on the couch. It does not picture look, of the couch. Yeah. It didn't look and like with Dana sitting there like gesturing to like, oh, look at this water here. What is up with this water that I didn't spill here? And the caption is like, Dana points out a wet footprint. Hopefully she'll forgive me for posting this photo of her looking worried. Can't see it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Look at her. Yeah, she's looking where there's uh it's like what the hell? There's the supposed wet footprint. It just looks like just two wet splotches. It does splotches. look like a bit of water, and it is awkward that it's way up on the back of the couch too. It's like yeah. up where you would rest your head. As though someone had taken a shower, maybe leaned their head back and gotten their wet hair all over the couch back, just like that. That's right. She was like, What the hell? And he's like, I could use this. But it was probably the doll, so go on. <laughs> That's right. One evening, after enduring the overbearing weight of a hidden presence and stink of algae for two weeks, we had enough. We were in the middle of a new episode of Paranormal Lockdown when the smell of pond water became so great we couldn't stand it. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Haunted objects like misbehaving children tend to respond and retaliate to the attention given to them during tantrums, but our usual routine of ignoring the bad behavior wasn't working. Okay. Big question. Mm-hmm. Are haunted objects like misbehaving children or... Are misbehaving children <laughs> like haunted objects? Are haunted children misbehaving objects? Ooh, this is probably <laughs> abuser mentality. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's kind of. I think I had the right last part almost correct. Just the um, the logic was backwards, which is: um, Are children treated like objects? Haunted? <laughs> yes, that is true. I think we figured it out. All, All right, carry on. Um, he was pissed off that they were being interrupted working on their show. So he said, we are past due for a sit-down discussion with the Chrome. No one interrupts our paranormal television, not even terrifying entities. Uh-huh. Oh, they're just watching TV. That's right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it's like no one, no one uh, gets the way of our show. That's what I thought at first, too. Then I realized, actually, I think it was, if I was interrupting television. I think so they were just watching enjoying. it. Yeah. Uh, I stormed into the office, grabbed the carving, and marched back into the living room, slamming it down on the coffee table. I sat back down on the couch and began addressing the entity directly, something that should never be done lightly. I explained that we were happy to give the crone a home, but as this was our house, we had rules. It's a speech I'd given to most of the objects in the museum at one time or another, and one that tends <laughs> to work. <laughs> I said, if we left you with the hikers, I said, you'd have found your way into a fire pit or a garbage can. If you found your way to a priest, you'd be bound and buried, or worse, locked on a dusty shelf for years. We're happy for you to live here, but only if you respect the situation. If you've got unfinished business, we'll help you put it to bed. But if you don't treat us respectfully, you're going in the box. In the box is a phrase we've reserved for artifacts that don't play nice, have nasty side effects, or are just plain malevolent. These objects, unlike the rest of the collection, have their own dedicated lock boxes. Solitary confinement, if you will. Usually the threat of a lockup is enough to pacify a situation. Not this time. Uh, as soon as I uttered the magic words, Dana sprang up from the couch, drawing my attention to the sound of rushing water from the other side of the house. Mm. We dealt with a broken pipe in the recent past, and the sound of water spilling onto our laundry room floor was a panic-inducing noise. We rushed toward the sound, only for it to cease as we entered the hall. There was no water, but behind us, back in the living room, we could hear the dull thud of something hitting the floor. The crone had managed to roll off the coffee table and under our television stand. As I knelt down and reached under the stand to grab for the carving, Dana yelled out and rushed to my side. When I turned to look at her, she was propping the television up with both hands. The screen had nearly fallen directly onto my head. As we shared a brief look mm. of fear and agreement, three loud knocks reverberated from the living room wall, rattling the picture frames and flickering the bulb from the single lamp, providing our room with light. In the box it is, I muttered. That evening the crone became one of the few objects not stored in an open-air display when not on tour. 
Mm. Prepared a special box for the statue, wrapped it back in the pillowcase it had arrived in, and clicked a padlock shut. The strange sense and terrible feelings all but disappeared, but the shadowy presence never quite left. Wow. I did not know you could do that with cursed objects. Just yell at them? <laughs> yell at them and lock them up. Yeah. So eventually they did have a medium friend come look at it, and she said that there was for sure an entity attached to the crone, which was an it and not a she, Ooh. and that it wasn't nice. Then they had it in their traveling museum for a while, and it wasn't that neat. It's a fairly long article just going on about, like, oh, it's just pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And oh, very creepy. So uh, nearly six months after the crone arrived at Weird HQ, it remains on the very short no-touching list when on tour and sealed, no in, a touching. Pa- yeah, and sealed in a padlock case when not on display. If not just because of the apparent, apparently malevolent phenomena surrounding the object, but because we still can't seem to understand its intended purpose. Why could they have called it eyes-only touching? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, carry on. Um, with the paranormal intention is everything. I can't stress this enough. If you go into a haunted location intending to have a scary, aggressive experience, you'll mm-hmm. probably have one. Mm-hmm. If you intend to commune with the peaceful spirits residing in the location, you'll uh, more than likely have a peaceful experience. Mm. So at first, it sounds like okay, yeah. If you if you believe you're going to have something spooky happen to you. You're going to then believe something spooky is happening. You'll be primed. Yes, but he so he meets us there and then goes on to say, "Oh yeah, you're causing it to happen." It's like, okay, no, it's it's happening in your head. Um, he says the same goes for magic, spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. Um, with just a cursory glance, it's easy to see that someone focused a lot of time, energy, and intent in the creation into the creation of the crone. It was carved by hand, probably with a very specific purpose in mind. Every rusty nail received a ment- uh, mental command as it was hammered into the figure's wooden eye sockets. Mm-hmm. The noose around its neck was tied with a hidden desire in mind. My own personal belief is that the crone was created as an attempt to summon the spirit of a, of a local witch for purposes unknown. The location of its discovery, coupled with the specifics of the carving's creation, leads me to believe that someone was aiming to commune with and contain a particular spirit. Mm-hmm. Dana, on the other hand, believes that the figure was created as a sort of uh, protection object used to war uh, war a sacred ritual area. Some good that did. Uh, our good friend, Psychic Chip Coffee, which I wow, think is what a, na- a, name. a name he has, uh, isn't sure why it was carved. Only that the Babylonian spirit Marduk, <laughs> I almost read that as Marmaduke. Um, Marduk? Yeah, it, a powerful entity with 50 names is attached to it. Interesting mm. to note is that Marduk is often associated with water. So he mm. psychic named Chip Coffee. And uh, why wouldn't you agree with a guy named Chip Copy? Also, correlation, as we know, yes, is real. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a Babylonian spirit named Marduk associated with it. Equals causation for anyone who is not familiar with the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've reached out to Denny several times in the last five months to no avail. It doesn't help that he used a throwaway social media account to seek help. Mm-hmm. It seems that he's completely abandoned it and by proxy abandoned any solid connection to the place the carving was discovered. Mm. We've been able to narrow the potential discovery point to a 500-plus acre piece of land in the Catskill Mountains and have already formulated a plan to seek out the cave ourselves later this year. That's a five-winnie-the-poo stretch of land. That's right. The specific plot of land already uh, already has connections to early witchcraft trials in the Northeast, which may provide some missing pieces of the puzzle. Last month, while under a monitored 24-7 live video feed, the crone was uh, observed by as many as 100 viewers at a time. Electromagnetic fluctuations, light anomalies, and feelings of general unease were reported by observers, but the most frightening reports came from viewers who uh, experienced strange activity manifesting in their own homes as as they logged into the video feed. 
power outages, electronic equipment failures, and burning eyes all seem to announce the arrival of the familiar <laughs> earthy pond-like scent, and in one case, a visit from the crone herself. In the final days of the carving surveillance, we asked the viewers for experiment ideas and landed on using a voodoo coffin nail, holy water, and a crucifix as trigger objects. On her last night under 24-7 watch, the crone appeared to flick the nail away. No way. Let me see this. There it is. See so little... we've got the crone, white background. There is a little like what EMF rating thing. Yeah, so it's sitting up. There's, you see the clock ticking, showing time passing. There's a little yeah, EMF reader. It, oh, the nail slides off of the, the structure. <laughs> yeah, so there's like, you watch the reader. It has a little fluctuation. And then a couple seconds later, the nail falls down. Oh, that is interesting. Uh, but one thing I noticed too is watch the, the clock when this happens. Mm-hmm. The reflection of the clock seems like to me like it changes a little bit. What that means, I don't know. But it just seems like there's just enough of oh, a visual a change. Something, something. I mean, live cast, like webcam things do have some general grainy noise happening to them. But to me, that suggests, I don't know, I, this is also the video editor in me the and the hyper skeptical one at that, seeing that thinking, oh, uh, you know, maybe yeah. they fucked with it. I don't know. The fact that it's it was also, the very, go on, yeah. I guess the very, it was the very last night the crown was under surveillance. Like, oh, you know, nothing's going to happen after tonight. We're going to, this is the last chance to see anything. And then something cool happens. Yeah, this is also it kind of <laughs> is an illustrative example of why they have, I think, in st- statistical tests of large data sets where you do iterative tests for significance, there is a chance, basically just because of the way things work, that you will generate significant results when you're doing tons and tons and tons of testing. And that significance is due entirely ironically enough to chance because you have a huge data set and so here we have them throwing a lot of different items at an item to try to prove its hauntedness and (laughs) so i think they're maybe bumping into a similar issue where anything weird happening to any item in the room now (laughs) is validation of crone (laughs) that's right it can't be the fact that the nail itself may just not be so so perfectly balanced that it could never fall down on its own but it instead right. just slowly uh lost friction mm-hmm. over the course of the 24 7 watch but yeah they continued to do gimmicky stuff with the crone for a while before eventually deciding that it was too dangerous and taking it out of their travel rotation it is now i think just kind of locked away wow and uh, indiana jones now yes it's being worked on by top man <laughs> pretty spooky I mean, yeah, interesting. Neat little tale, but yeah, as I pointed out, I made the connection to the Warrens, and for good reason, I think there's just, if you have a business that is contingent upon people finding something really interesting and strange and spooky, you're going to mm-hmm. play up the interesting, strange, spooky factor of it and try and add to the story as much as you can, and that is what happened here. Yes, spookiness sells. That actually kind of plays a role in what I have to talk about today, at least in part, um, and yeah, shall I shall I jump right in? Let's do it. Okay. Let, let's you do it. Let's I'll do it. <laughs> My segment today is titled Three No Good, Very Bad Paintings, <laughs> a.k.a. Tales from the Triptych, a.k.a. Gortritz, <laughs> a.k.a. Brushes with Evil, <laughs> a.k.a. Fatal Frames. All right. <laughs> so yes, I have I not think that one, entire but... thing should be the title of this week's episode. Ooh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> 
Um, that will get clipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, I have not one but three whole cursed ass, gross, disgusting <laughs> items for you, Jake. <laughs> and uh, they all happen to be paintings, and they're all super gross and horrible. And I'm going to tell you about all of them. Great. And I've pre ranked them. Okay. Solely based on how upset I'd be to discover <laughs> one of them on my walls, from right. least to most. Okay. So I will jump right off with number three, The Crying Boy. Oh. Which, the fact that we are in a situation in which I'd actually prefer to have the image of a crying child <laughs> in my home should already tell you something about what's to come. <laughs> so I have sort of like several little categories for each of these which is what is it what does it look like what's the story and can we debunk it Alrighty. so what is it this is a mass-produced print of a painting by italian painter and child hater giovanni <laughs> bragolin or bragolin i don't know he did a series of sad children paintings in the 50s which i guess is like the era of <laughs> spanking and punching your kids when they're <laughs> just trying to be children um and for some weird ass reason uh they became really popular and so Mm. prints have been widely distributed ever since so what does it look like i'll describe it first and then i'll show you uh there are quite a few versions of the crying boy out there for some reason uh regardless of what version you find they're all basically the same thing and they're what you'd expect from the name a close-up portrait of a child staring at or just past the viewer tears visibly streaming down their face and their lips pursed into a pitiable pout mm. uh, it's the, the thing that you could paint i guess but it's concerning <laughs> to me that there are so many versions of this huh like someone looked at that and was like you know what i'll do it even better <laughs> there are in fact so many versions that there is a pinterest board oh my called God. the crying boy that features 56 separate images oh boy oh so, you, know, you boy. take your pick let me oh crying boy now that's a good episode title right there <laughs> um i mean you don't want the uh sufjan stevens style paragraph long episode title that one's good too i like that one too <laughs> let me first show you the og cb the arcba oh it's me at least for yeah the there you go the original crying boy that's a good <laughs> that's one right <laughs> So this one right here okay. is the original, I think. But as you'll note... There's a bunch of them. This is this ridiculous Pinterest page. Yeah, that that's a little more what it's meant to look like. I see. What's it look like to you, Jake? Looks like a boy crying. Wait, go up a little bit. The Bruno Amadio version down, like, just below your cursor to the left. This, that one oh, That yeah. one looks like, yeah, it looks like um, Damien from The Omen. But otherwise, they all just look like a little boy crying. But he's like crying because you denied his ability to channel Satan or whatever. That's right. A uh, very dark, very weird painting to have. Mm-hmm. And right, so for some reason that became popular. There were a ton of prints made. So what's the story? Why are we talking about it today? Well, in 1985, the most popular tabloid newspaper in the United Kingdom printed a story that caused panic and finally ended the popularity of Bragolin's work. The Sun published an article entitled, that's S-U-N, not son like child, which would be hilarious, 
published an article entitled Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy, <laughs> which was a story describing the terrible experience of May and Ron Hall after their Rotherham home was destroyed by fire. Maybe it's Rotterham? I, don't I think know. it's Rotterham. Rotterham? I mean, my guess. UK listeners, <laughs> edify me. R O T H E R H A M? Yeah, I don't give a shit. The cause of the fire was a chip pan, or chipped pan, I should say, that overheated and burst into flames. I hate when that happens. The fire <laughs> spread rapidly and destroyed everything on the ground floor. Only one item remained intact, and that was oh. a print of the crying boy in their living room wall, or on their living room wall. They embedded it in their living room <laughs> That's wall. Right. That's how much they loved that fucking weird <laughs> picture. Uh, distraught at their loss, the devastated couple made the bizarre claim that the painting was cursed, and it, not the chipped pan, was the cause of the fire. And I'm saying chipped pan, but I'm realizing now it was probably a chip pan, which is to say a pan in which they were making what we would call fries huh. in the States. The tale would have disappeared were it not for some nefarious firefighter's claims that he had attended at least 15 house fires where everything was destroyed except for the picture of the crying boy. Before long, the story gathered momentum and a rash of fires all over the United Kingdom were blamed on the cursed child. In subsequent articles, the sun went on to fan the proverbial flames through sensational stories that elaborated on the evilness of the painting. What I would find weirder there is not the idea of so many fires um, sparing only this painting, but the idea of there being so many houses that had the painting at all. <laughs> it's very strange, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, why but do I guess you have that? What excuse do you have to own this? Something about, yeah, I don't know. UK listeners, can you speak on this? Like... Is there something going on where that was just a popular thing for Are a you while? you guys okay? You guys all right? Doing okay? Um, so, right. That's sort of the core of the story. It then twisted and fractured into a slew of nightmarish theories about what might be going on. In one, the little boy behind the painting was a gypsy child whose family placed a curse on the artist. Others claimed that the child had died in a fire and his spirit was trapped in the painting. The most enduring story claimed that the crying boy accidentally set fire to the studio of the artist who had painted him, and on and on. So, can we debunk it? Yes. In this case, we actually entirely have already. Uh -huh. Various experts have thankfully offered their own theories to explain what's been going on with this least creepy of three paintings. Uh, for one... A frustrated fire brigade. Uh, sorry, a frustrated fire brigade. Oh my God, that's a tongue twister. Fire frustrated brr, frustrated, frustrated fire, brigade. fire brigade. Yes, pointed out that in all cases where there had been fires, there was a rational explanation. Uh, in each case, traced back to a uh, to human carelessness or electrical faults. And so spontaneous human combustion fires. Yes, exactly. <laughs> What they could not explain at the time was the evidence that the paintings often remained intact when everything around them was destroyed. So great. We know that the painting did not start the fire. Thank God. It was always burning since the world was turning. Ooh, why would you say that, Jake? Then in a 2010 video made by Steve Punt and available on YouTube, a painting of the crying boy is set alight oh, in a bid to decide the matter once and for all. <laughs> And I believe in the video he screams, die, die. <laughs> uh, by the time the fire burns out, just the corner of the painting is scorched. So evidently, the picture in many of these prints 
has been printed onto fire retardant materials. Mm. So, quite simply, the manufacturer of the print created, perhaps unwittingly, a fire-resistant product that became the victim of its own success. That's pretty cool. So that one is that one. At number two, and considerably more upsetting. Oh, boy. A painting called The Hands Resist Him, which is already a grosser title and kind of weird. I was kind of hoping it was going to be The Hands of Fate, but... Or yes. Monos, <laughs> specifically. Yeah. That's an old movie. Other than a very upsetting name, The Hands Resist Him is a painting created, potentially someone from hell, by artist Bill Stoneham in 1972. Uh, perhaps for the best, there's only just the one version Pretty of good. this thing. Uh, so what does it look like? The painting is repulsive. <laughs> it depicts a young boy standing in front of a glass paneled door. The glass mm. panels are entirely black, except for many small hands oh. that press up against the panels out of darkness uh, from behind the boy. Next to the boy stands a ghoulish girl doll with hollow eyes and a very marionette mouth and arms. Mm. Uh, in this girl doll's hands is a strange device with little wires coming out of it. Uh, yeah, the overall effect is, in a word, upsetting. Mm. Uh, according to Stoneham, the boy is based on a photograph of himself at age five. <laughs> and the a memory is, he has of the time. Yes, a personal experience he had. <laughs> um, the doorway is a representation of the dividing line between the wa- uh, waking world and the world of fantasy and impossibilities. Mm. While the doll is a guide that will escort the boy through it, holding, for some reason, a dry cell battery. <laughs> and the titular hands represent alternate lives or possibilities. So, Bill Stoneham, you doing okay, buddy? (laughs) Uh, Let me now show you. You don't have to. I will. And the worst is going to be even worse. Hmm. So, there you go. Looks like that. Horrible. It's disgusting to look at. Not great. Not Yeah. What do you feel like looking at that? Want to just blow your brains out all over the place? (laughs) Actually, I can you zoom in? It's pretty small. Oh, here you go. Oh, I see. Yeah, so the doll is not great, and the hands are for sure worse. Um, so he's just back to, and all these hands are just kind of like coming out of the darkness towards the glass, reaching kind of towards him, and uh, he's looking straight at the camera, so to speak. He's not exactly smiling either, is he? No, he's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> you can picture him saying, it's a living. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flintstone right. style. So yeah, that's the thing. That is a thing. So what's the story? Uh, this abomination was first displayed at the Fine Garden Gallery in Beverly Hills, California during the early 70s. A one-man Stoneham show at the gallery, which included the piece, was reviewed by the art critic at the Los Angeles Times. During the show, the painting was purchased by actor John Marley, notable for his role as Jack Voltz in The Godfather. Uh, so maybe I'm mispronouncing that name because I'm ashamed to say... I've never actually seen that movie. Me neither. Ooh. So sometime after Marley's death, the painting was found on the site of an old brewery by an elderly Californian couple. The painting appeared on the auction website eBay in February of 2000. So this I is think I've heard of that. Electronic Bay, I believe it stands for. <laughs> in their auction listing, the couple described the painting as carrying some form of curse or haunting. Included in those claims were that the characters in the painting, the boy and the doll, 
moved during the night and would sometimes leave the painting and enter the room in which it was being displayed. <laughs> yeah, I. you want to own that, don't you? Yeah, because uh, I wouldn't be okay with yeah. either the doll or the boy being anywhere near Just one near or the other. Like, I mean, at first you think of the, uh, just the description of the doll makes the doll sound terrible, but the boy isn't pleasant either. I wouldn't want He's either of no their fun. company. No, no. And two at once is absolutely mm-hmm. far too much, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, what's that game? Patty Cake, I guess? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, a disclaimer was included with the listing absolving the seller from all liability if the painting <laughs> was purchased. So, of course, news of the listing was quickly spread by Internet users who forwarded the link to their friends or wrote their own pages about it. Again, this is very early Internet days, relatively speaking. So this kind of thing was extremely hot fire and probably met many, many eyeballs. Some people claim that simply viewing the photos of the painting made them feel ill or have unpleasant experiences. Sounds familiar to what Jake was just describing. Uh Uh-huh. Other people describe that the thing, uh, unlike the crying boy, would just spontaneously catch fire all the time and nothing else would. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, the Eventually, the auction page was viewed over 30,000 times, uh, which is about as many people were using the internet at that time. Um, after an initial bid, exactly zero times. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, an initial bid of about $200, the painting eventually received 30 bids and sold for... $1,000, basically, um, which is not too bad. But back then, I mean, $1,000 uh, back then is like $200,000 now. Pretty much. Uh, the buyer, Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan, eventually contacted Bill Stoneham and related the unusual story of its auction on eBay and their acquisition of it. Bill reported being quite surprised by all the stories and strange interpretations of the images in the painting. Stoneham recalls that both the owner of the gallery in which the painting was first displayed and the art critic who reviewed it did die within one year of coming <laughs> into contact with the painting. Oh, God. Which is spooky. I don't know why they're saying all these weird things happen. It's kind of strange. Although everyone who's touched the painting has died. Since <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, why are you saying this very frightening, gross painting is weird? What's wrong with you? Um... <laughs> To that end, for some reason, Stoneham has done two more paintings as sequels to his original, Threshold of Revelation and The Hands Invent Him. And both are gross and frightening. I'm not talking about them today further than that. Um, But I think Stoneham may be an actual Lovecraftian cultist (laughs) based on this work. It does sound that way. So can we debunk it? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a spooky painting, but the associated deaths are entirely circumstantial. This is the kind of creepy piece of media that whipped up its own publicity and enjoyed the coveted pre-Reddit era of internet cult fascination. Mm-hmm. Um, as further picked apart by Rob Gaylor, or Jailer, self-described uh, bowler, comedian, and filmmaker. <laughs> In that order. In that order. <laughs> My first love is bowling. Being funny and movies will never get between me and rolling a ball at sticks at the other end of a hallway. (laughs) Uh, The reason for the spooky stories, uh, according to Rob, was, quote, money. Gee, what a shocker there. The painting was not selling on eBay for a while, and so the seller created such a fascinating story that it got out around the Internet, and it worked. 
Is this such a despicable thing to do to people in order to generate sales by scamming them into believing something that isn't true? The answer to this question is yes. Yes, it is wrong. However, it's been going on for centuries. <laughs> and uh, couldn't have put it better myself, Rob. People have been selling supposedly haunted stuff on eBay for centuries. Yeah, he meant it specifically within <laughs> that context. <laughs> I will say to his uh, credit, Greg Newkirk of the um, Paranormal and Occult Museum from my segment, uh, on their website they do say, um, I think in the FAQ about haunted objects, it's like, oh, should I buy a haunted object online? And he said, only if you like being swindled out of your money by people who are bullshitting you. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is a lot of credit to uh, to that guy. Because, Exactly. Um, and very, very securely dominating the pack of three at number one is a painting called The Anguished Man. Uh Have you seen this one? I have in passing and I have heard only the idea that it is cursed. I don't know or or haunted. I don't know anything about the details. I, I, yeah, I... Did you, when you heard about this, was it from the mouth of some sort of gibbering lunatic who was like cradling themselves? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, I've only seen this in passing, so I will. I I vaguely remember it. You're going to show it to me, so I'm 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 bracing myself for it. But when you first mentioned the idea of three terrible paintings, I thought, I wonder if the anguished man is one of them. (laughs) Yes, it very much is. I'm afraid to even call it he uh what is it the english man is pure unbridled evil and painted form what does it look like paint it looks like paint in a specific arrangement (laughs) yes it is seared onto a sickly blue background it is a red fleshed hairless humanoid profile from the shoulders up staring with wide ghoulishly black eyes its mouth is hanging open and possibly toothless in something between a sort of pained yawn and endless <laughs> horrifying scream. Yes. I immediately thought that the anguished man is what happens when Edward Monk's The Scream has the worst nightmare of its life. Yes. <laughs> it dreams this. <laughs> so, yes, irrefutably repulsive and unsettling. And I will show you just to remind you and let you describe what you see. Yeah. our listeners there you go you're not screen sharing oh it's just <laughs> me an anguished man i'm hating life now here we go join oh, me boy. in this nightmare oh oh yeah it's always worse than i remember and i've i remembered parts of that but not the whole thing and that sucks <laughs> allow it to <laughs> enter the deepest part of your psychology <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh. yes that permeate uh, you with horrible, I don't want to. sour, I painful darkness. What do you see, Jake? Your worst paint. fears come to life? Yeah. Do you see paint? It's a defense mechanism. <laughs> I see paint. <laughs> I have whatever the opposite of pareidolia is occurring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I refuse I, to see faces where they actually are. Anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> Was um, it from Westworld? Doesn't look like much of anything to yes. me. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. So, what's the story? This is also from Wake and Weird, funny enough. So, here is an email from Sean Robinson, the current owner, I really, I think the only owner ever of The Anguished Man, who wrote to Wake and Weird to share about the notoriously gruesome painting and his experiences with it. 
Here's Sean in his own words, mm-hmm. minus his charming, I think, Scottish accent. Oh. So over 25 years ago, a friend of my grandmother gave her an old oil painting called The Anguished Man. She told my grandmother that the artist used his own blood mixed in with the oils and committed suicide shortly after finishing the painting. Mm. I have no way of confirming if this story is true or not, but my grandmother passed the story down to me when she gave me the painting. I really liked the painting, but because my (laughs) wife didn't like it, I kept it in the cellar. After our cellar was flooded, yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> Did he, oh, he she li- didn't like it? Yeah, and also you put it in the, the cellar? What an awful place for that to be, just to walk oh, exactly. down to the cellar and be like, oh, hey, that that's in the shadows. Anything anywhere near the house is a bad spot for this painting. <laughs> anywhere is bad. Just burn, burn it immediately when seen. <laughs> he really likes it for some reason. I cannot huh. get over that. He's like, I relate to this. <laughs> This upsets uh, me and is upsetting, and it makes me feel like the guy in the painting. It's so upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite feelings is sheer terror and <laughs> being upset. <laughs> um, so, right. Anyway, after our cellar was flooded during a prolonged period of heavy rain, otherwise called a storm, I moved the contents of the <laughs> cellar to my parents' garage while the cellar dried out. When I got the painting back, I decided to keep it in our spare bedroom on the third floor of our house. Shortly after this, we stopped receiving guests. Exactly. Um, we started to hear strange noises, loud, unexplainable bangs, and an odd scraping noise like someone scratching their nails on fabric. <laughs> when the painting was in the cellar, our dog would not go in the cellar. She would just stand outside growling. Now, when it was upstairs, she refused to go to the top floor, despite the fact that she usually used to follow me everywhere. And we can't keep her out of the cellar. (laughs) Yeah, she loves it down there now. At night, we would often hear crying and sobbing noises. Mm. I suppose these noises could have come from outside the house. And it was suggested the crying could have been a cat outside. But they sounded like they came from within the house. Mm. You know, cats sob the way cats sob, that very specific sound. Mournful male voice. That says, why did I kill myself? Please set my spirit free. I wasn't duly alarmed at this point and put everything down to natural phenomenon. Uh, however, it was about at about this time that I started to see the shadowy figure of a man in the house, always mm. just in the corner of the eye or brief fleeting glimpses of a dark shape. Soon, the rest of my family were seeing things too. Mm. It has also been suggested that because we all knew the history of the painting, that we were all imagining these things, and I suppose that is a possibility. But at the time, it felt very real. I like how, you know, critical-minded he's at least articulating his story here. Yeah. As the weeks went by, the noises got progressively worse. I even heard crying that seemed to be coming from inside our own bedroom. It was probably your wife because you kept that fucking (laughs) freaky-ass painting. Yes. He's like, where's that crying coming from? It's probably cats. It's just like, I'm right here. <laughs> you asshole. Throw that fucking thing away. Um, again, it has been suggested that this could have been from a cat outside the window. <laughs> but I've heard the noises cats make, and this sounded distinctively human. Have been any cats outside these parts in 35 years. <laughs> a few nights, I woke up suddenly and saw the dark figure of a man standing at the foot of the bed. Could I have been dreaming? Again, 
this is a possibility. But at the same time, it felt very real. The figure had the appearance of a tall, middle-aged man, but his features were unclear. I never actually felt afraid at this point, just extremely curious. I wanted to find out what was happening. Was it just my imagination, or was there something paranormal happening? We started to notice numerous cold spots around the house, and we often had a strange feeling of being watched. I even felt like someone was standing directly behind me and heard whispers that seemed to be extremely close by. So what this guy's problem may be is that he has no survival defense mechanism, you know, functioning <laughs> in his brain. Uh-huh. One evening, I heard my wife scream and ran upstairs to find her extremely shaken up. She had gone to bed early and had thought it was me getting into bed beside her. She turned around. She found herself staring into a stranger's eyes. She has since told me that she may have had a very lucid dream, but at the time, she was convinced it had actually happened. On the upside, at least she wasn't looking into just the face of the painting. I would probably die if I saw that. You would just, it would be no screaming, you would just just instantly dead. Like, okay. You're just here. I'm done. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) After this experience, my wife divorced me. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, She should have. After this experience, my (laughs) wife persuaded me to put the painting back in the cellar. Things settled down almost immediately. As we know, objects are responsive to being put in timeout. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Things settled down almost immediately, but once again, my dog refused to go anywhere near the cellar, unlike when the painting was upstairs. Hmm. Later on in the email. Sorry, I just heard a a sound that scared the hell out of me. It's truly creepy, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) No joke. When I was doing my homework for this, my uh, my mom came home and made a noise in the background, a little (laughs) just asking where I was, and I jumped out of my chair. Oh. Yeah, being uh, uh, recording this alone in my apartment, and it's still light outside, which is nice, but there's so I mean, you see, it's a pretty large living room, and I have just so much of the apartment directly behind my back. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> it's upsetting. I'll let you know if I see an orange bodied ghoul Ooh. crawling into the room. Thanks. <laughs> then I just go, oh, and then just die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets on Mike. Oh, my God. Then I would die, I guess. Uh, so later in the email. I eventually decided to leave the painting in the top bedroom again. And over the next few weeks, I know he kind of builds up to it. He does like a few video tests with the painting, which you can find online. I didn't get into it just because they're a little bit uh, slow going. Hmm. But they are a little bit creepy. It's kind of equivalent to what you saw with the uh, crone. Shiny and crone. (laughs) I eventually decided to leave the painting in the top bedroom. And over the next few weeks, my wife felt someone stroke her hair when she was in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And one night when I was going to bed... I saw a strange fog-like mist at the top of the stairs. What is that fog? (laughs) Ah, yes. A question we have not yet answered. I think it's been 48 episodes since we first asked it. That is still at least my best guess (laughs) as to what WTF stands for. Mm -hmm. I walked into the middle of the fog and and it was extremely cold. It felt Mm -hmm. like I was standing in the middle of some dry ice. It could not have been that cold. (laughs) My vision was blurred and I became very lightheaded. Then, suddenly, it vanished as quickly as it came. Now, while some of the incidents could be explained by saying I was dreaming or it was a result of my overactive imagination, this strange mist was real. It was something I could see and feel and something for which I can find no explanation. 
While the painting remained upstairs, the whole family experienced feelings of being watched. Mm. We also started to hear the noises at night again. Somehow, the whole house felt different when the painting was upstairs. I also began to experience intense feelings of anxiety and dread and suffered from terrible nightmares. At one point, it felt like I was being repeatedly and violently lifted up out of bed and slammed back down. I also started <laughs> dreaming. The idea of that weird feeling when you're like kind of falling asleep and you feel like <laughs> someone's jerking you ten feet in the air and then throwing you as hard as they can straight back down again <laughs> makes it really yeah. hard to fall asleep, right? It was probably just my mind. <laughs> I also started dreaming about the painting and kept dreaming about the same man, a tall middle-aged man, but I could never quite make out his face. I have tried to research the painting's background and have posted the story all over the internet in the vague hope that someone will recognize the artist, but so far I have had no luck. I have had many offers from people wanting to buy the painting, but I really have no desire to sell it. At first I thought the painting was very unsettling, but I put all the activity down to the fact that I had been told of its background and perhaps I was imagining things. Mm -hmm. But the longer I had the painting, the more convinced I became that there is something paranormal about it. It has been suggested that because he used his own blood in the oils, it could be the restless spirit of the artist. But a few people have told me that it may be much more sinister than that. They told me that it could be some sort of demon. Oh, yes. If the painting (laughs) is indeed haunted, then is the spirit trying to communicate with us, trying to tell us something? I have been advised at various times to burn the painting or even bury it, which is, as we all know, more extreme than burning. Uh (laughs) Then I have been told not to burn it because if I burn it and it is some sort of gateway, then I would be just sealing whatever has come through into our reality, and that could make matters much worse. I have also been told to have it blessed or even exercised. I do know now, however, that I don't want to destroy it. I have asked my family if they know anything about the painting, but nobody knows anything about it. Largely because this has been his project that he's (laughs) forcing his family to experience alongside him. All I have to go on is what was uh, passed on to my grandmother and in turn was passed on to me. Hopefully, I will eventually find out the artist's name and then I will be able to research the validity of its backstory. I've tried to remain objective and look at the events rationally but I have no explanation for some of the things I have experienced. I wish him luck because if he does find the name, it's not going to be pronounceable by human tongue. No, indeed. Or if he is able to pronounce it, he will immediately be immolated and his soul destroyed and sent straight into the gullet of Satan himself. Uh So (laughs) I think if he says it out loud, it'll unlock the lament configuration. Yes. So can we debunk it? I left bits of Sean's story out, but he, like I mentioned earlier, he also records the painting in a series of YouTube videos that you Mm -hmm. can find online during which various paranormal activity-type moments are captured on film. Uh, they easily may be hoaxed, but there's a low-key charm about the whole situation, kind of akin, honestly, to that Crone video where it's mm. sort of like, it's so subtle and so you know anticlimactic that uh-huh. you're kind of like, hmm, maybe that was actually captured on film. It's not too sensationalized. Yeah, it's like a bump. Hmm. But, I mean, easily they may be hoaxed and if anything we have to just assume they are being hoaxed yeah um but right it's it's low-key charming uh thus far i've yet to find any conclusive debunks on the overall story but uh the story is much more recent and obviously evil than the other two pieces yeah 
And we also, uh, I mean, the other thing about it too is we only have this one guy to go um to whose oh, story we can base it on. So no one else's word. And that is exactly you've you've preempted it uh, right on the money, my friend. Um, it's notable that he will not be selling this painting, mm. and I think he kind of is tapping into the same mojo that charged up the hands resist him painting, yeah. but is taking it to the next level. So by not selling it. He keeps the control of the narrative itself. Yes. And so, you know, it's already an image that begs the viewer to believe in something horrible. It's just yep. downright upsetting. <laughs> it demands a creepy backstory. And just looking at it, you're left feeling like things just aren't right. Nothing will ever be okay again. Yeah. Stuff like that. But I mean, it's just a painting, right? Right. <laughs> and that is all I have for you. Well, I was thinking during this story, because I, I had never heard the whole story, and that is quite a lot. Um, very exciting and creepy. Uh, would probably make for a fun movie, and I'm sure it will come out at some point, and he will own the rights. Mm-hmm. I was imagining for the thumbnail for this week's episode, I thought about using that, and I was like, that's that's unfair to our listeners to just have them spring no one that No want to listen. Yeah. So then I was thinking we should instead use the um, that uh, re- quote-unquote restored Jesus the painting. Jesus? Yeah. Yes. Perfect. So we'll use perfect. that instead. Yes, that's perfect. The other anguished man. Or we could just use a picture of the crown because that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. Uh, either one I'm, yeah, I'm happy with. Or I'll just replace but, uh, the links to all three of your paintings with just pictures of the Jesus painting. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I like that. <laughs> the painting version um, of being Rick Rolled, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Which, you know, for some listeners out there may be a mercy because these are truly, I have to stress, frightening looking images. They're especially not great. the English man. Yeah, the if other two, are, like the first one was yeah. um, was just like, oh, it's a, a weird thing it's, to have in your house. It's pretty benign. Second yeah. one, it's like, I don't really like this. And the third one was like, I don't want to think about this again if I can avoid yeah. it. Honestly, if you are badly upset by spooky images or those kind of things like kind of mess your night or day up, maybe don't. And the thing is, it's the anguished man yeah, image. It's a very simple thing. It's not like it's like you know really graphically just creepy as hell. It's just right. it's very stylized, just kind of reddish orangish sort of uh, shape of a sort of portrait of a person as far as just chest, shoulders up to head. No real distinguishing features beyond just like the suggestion of eyes, nose, mouth. That's part of what makes it so upsetting too. Yes, is the it, uncanny valley factor. Exactly. It's just enough, just enough for you to recognize it as those features, but not enough to feel right. Right. And it's not exactly, you know, that would be upsetting if it was sitting there like, hey, how, hi, how are you? But instead it is gazing stupidly in, in pain off into the distance uh, in a very unsettling way, such that even if it were a normal person's face and they were doing that, you'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? Mm-hmm. So, top marks for gross. <laughs> Do not want that painting. Don't understand why people are making offers on it. Who the hell is out there like, I need that painting? Well, people love a good spooky story. We all love being scared. Yes, that's true. Uh, I mean, that's why we do the show. We love being scared even though we're terrified of being scared. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some cursed ass items, I tell you what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as much as they are almost certainly not haunted, mm-hmm. not objectively cursed, our collective psyche can charge them in that way. Absolutely. Well, if you see a thing that's like really creepy and think, oh, this is why sh- this shouldn't exist. Where did it come from? What is its deal? 
right your your imagination supplies the entire backstory and just the sheer look of the object uh provides the rest of the creeps and then you're just good to go exactly there you have it some spooky stuff as in that yep <laughs> uh-huh and do we just end <laughs> yeah bye bye <laughs>